It's the holiday season, and that means euthanasia and loss. How does your team handle these difficult situations while still maintaining a joyous spirit? This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And Becky, this week, I've got a little bit of a tough ordeal because I'm recording from an airport. I don't know how tough that is, but it's tough (laughs) going to be for you for editing. (laughs) That's right. And I apologize, Viewfinders. You're going to hear some distracting noises in the background, but I'll do my best to fix it. But Becky and I were talking, and you know, there's an old medical cliche that sort of death and illness follows a seasonal pattern. So many of you, like me and Becky, you've witnessed this. Every time the seasons change, you have an increase in really sick pets come in and, of course, requests for euthanasia. And so we thought we would discuss a little bit about how we handle that and some advice for getting through the holidays while trying to maintain some sanity and sense of generosity and happiness uh, while still confronting these difficult things. So before we get into all that, once again, I am one of your hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And yeah, it's a difficult time of year for a lot of people in the veterinary clinic. And actually, I think this is mirrored very much on the human side. We it hear is. It is. Our, our friends in the human field saying there's more emergencies, there's more deaths. It just seems like a really sad time. And like, we're definitely not wanting to tap into and play into a sad time in like, you know, make it seem worse. But maybe we can actually talk about how we make it better and how we make it better for each other by how we cope within the clinic and within our personal lives, with our clients, with our coworkers, when loss is happening. Because I think it's what we do in those last moments that make or break the experience for a lot of people. And in the veterinary industry, I think, you know, all of us have received cards and thank yous and gifts for the way we have made these last moments you know, um, experience for our clients. So how do we handle that for f- f- within our, our clinic with each other is I think a really important thing to talk about in trying to make a hard time better um, at a hard time of year for loss. Yeah. And Becky, you know, it's a really good point that we want to share with viewfinders. You know, I've, I've spent my career written books and articles and made videos about the euthanasia experience. And really, we were focused on the pet parent side of things, the pet patient side of things. And really, you know, we didn't give a lot of attention to what emotions were being experienced by our staff, by our doctors, by everyone. And so we wanted to talk about, you know, what do we do? What have we found to succeed and and sort of how how we can help cope with it. So Becky, sort of set us up with this scenario. I mean, again, it's the holidays. It could be any time, but you know, I think right now it's really salient to talk about, you know, hey, everybody's celebrating, they're wearing their festive sweaters, and then suddenly we're confronted with an emotional crisis. Uh, it's so awkward, right? Like when you're standing in a in a room in like this like jingly blinking sweater because it was egg- ugly sweater contest day and someone you know right. you're trying to have a serious conversation with somebody at a really hard time and you're like sorry about my blinking you know reindeer right. ears right now so oh, becky i'll tell you a story just real quickly and i'm sure viewfinders you can relate to this i remember several years ago i had just come out of an exam room with a really good client you know a longtime client they had given me a gift, you know, they were just, you know, they, they were just, you know, it's one of those like, oh, we're so thankful 
to have you, you know, that, that kind of holiday celebration, right? And the very next appointment was the exact opposite, right? It was a person who was struggling with their cat. It was a long-time terminal condition, and they were struggling with the decision. And, you know, you're talking about emotional roller coaster, Becky. I mean, we all have been there, but, man, it seems amped up around the holidays. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And and, and we're all trying to handle it the best we can and not... Um, it just puts us on like a, a cyclic roller coaster that we didn't necessarily mean to get on, you know, and we don't um, necessarily, I think, have maybe the ultimately um, severe highs and lows around, you know, euthanasia that we have at the holidays um, and these types of year because we go from literally celebrating to, you know, a, a whole lot of sorrow. And it, and it does sort of make the highs and lows really extreme. And we're really good at, um, hopefully we're really good within in the veterinary industry and within our clinics of taking care of our clients, you know. But I, I mean, I, I, I say we're really good. Um, are we? I don't know. I know that there's a lot of clinics out there who send cars. And, and, and clients or there's um, even staff will sort of complain about the fact like I didn't even know this this patient and I don't really know what to say. Um, and so maybe that doesn't look perfect. But we are working on making the clients end as as comfortable as we possibly can and as soft as we can. But I think about how many times in a clinic I have experienced um, one of the patients have you know, been put down, um, they've, they've passed on and they find out secondary after their day off, they find out, you know, because of the card. And I've seen a lot of really true emotional injury, a, a lot of really true grief happen, um, when it's broken to them in such a, such a, especially diff, like just kind of cold way, they just find out, but they have, we, we have these real emotional connections with our, our patients. And I don't know that within the veterinary industry, we're caring for our ourselves and we're caring for our staffs around this loss, we kind of just have this like suck it up and move on attitude throughout the day. Right. Well, Becky, you really, that's a really good point And one I would like to get not only your opinion, but if you find your family about, uh, and that is how do we disseminate the information? Because you're right. Sometimes these things happen when you're away on holiday or your day off. And it was a patient that you were involved with a long time care of. And then suddenly, you know, you come back and it's, it's like getting hit with a ton of bricks, right? I mean, so, so what are some of the steps that you've taken in the past to make sure that everybody kind of knows when, when some of those kind of, I don't know, this for lack of a better term, those extra special long-term patients you know pass I actually I really wish I could um, say that I had some really beautiful um, line of communication that right, really right. got in front of this problem and I did it so right and I I don't I can't I don't have that it's I've unfortunately just like everybody else um, been guilty of forgetting about the relationship between people sometimes um, and not you know maybe remembering to call them in that moment or tell them in that moment and, you know, maybe it is that you do tell them face to face the next time you see them and you can. But um, I don't know that I ever did it with any kind of class or with any kind of. Um, yeah, right, I don't know right, if I ever did right, it any right. justice, you know, right. I know what you mean. But here, you know, actually, if we rewind just a little bit further and dig a little bit deeper into this topic, I think you you hinted at something earlier. And and it is it's the actual should we valid, I mean, are these feelings legitimate and valid, right? Because I think sometimes we build this false facade that says we're medical professionals and we really shouldn't get somehow emotionally involved, right? And yet nothing could be further from the truth. It hurts us. Of course, not as much as the, the pet parent, but you know, it still hurts us. So, so Becky, how do we somehow 
acknowledge, embrace, and then somehow help, you know, the fact that, yes, we do have feelings around this, and it's ridiculous in this day and age to say, ah, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, I think I think that's, you're right, that's the best thing, is that we are learning that we have to honor these feelings, and we are, I think, all trying to struggle and um, figure out the best ways to do it. So um, I have seen clinics um, introducing sort of some memorial, you know, walls in the, in the clinic and um, honoring pets in that way. We take so many pictures within the clinic now. We tend to have them that there are ways that we can sort of honor um, the pets that have been lost. We see people that do bricks or that maybe put pet names on things. So I think that um, when we have those extra special clients and extra special, you know, patients, we can um, open a line of communication within the clinic to find out how everybody's doing and what they want to do, because I think it looks different for for different people. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, viewfinders, I think this is a really important step for the profession. And I think we've kind of done it in fits and spurts, and we've sort of, you know, just found our way here reluctantly and, and really accidentally in many cases. But the fact is, we, we're now in a generation of practitioners, uh, veterinary nurses, veterinary technicians, veterinarians, who are saying, look, I need some help coping with this. You know, I am emotionally invested in the situation. I am going through something. And so I think that you need to have some mechanism, some structure, some process within your clinic to, to talk to your staff and say, hey, you know, is there anything I can do? And I guess, Becky, that's another good jumping off point. Like, how do you reach out to that colleague to say, can I help? Yeah. So a couple things. I think one thing I'm seeing in a, as a trend in the industry, and I'm looking really forward to um, in our, our very near future, talking to some, um, you know, social workers who are working in the veterinary space. More and more clinics are bringing in grief groups for staff and for pet parents who have lost, um, but also for the staff who have worked with the pets who have been lost. And they're employing social workers within the clinics, within the um, corporate structures. So they're they're introducing an individual for staff to look to, to talk to, to reach out to, and also to reach out to staff if there's a concern from someone else. And I really love this idea. Um, um, within the ASPCA, um, I know that there are times that we have had individuals who have helped with um, really difficult scenes. I know that in a lot of disaster situations, they bring in individuals to help with just coping with what you're seeing and what you're dealing with in really, really hard times such as disasters. But I, I mean, I think for the veterinary industry, it, because of this kind of chronic fatigue of this, these individuals are really great. So if you see someone, you know, struggling, you have the ability to introduce this individual maybe into their life to suggest that they go to them or to recommend this individual to them. So um, I think that's great. But at the very basic level, I think if you do think someone is struggling, I think the best thing really to start with is even just like, hey, are you okay? Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think it's just kind of being aware and what's what's going on. But Becky, what I love, I love what you're saying here because it is reach out, get outside help. There are groups, there are organizations, there are individuals that can teach you coping mechanisms and processes. And, and look, you know, I'll say, Becky, you know, I've, I've obviously been a veterinarian a long time, more longer than some, not as long as others, but you've seen sort of this evolution. And, and I will tell you that where I am today in my 50s, as opposed to being a veterinarian in my 20s, I now am much more apt and, and eager to reach out for outside assistance as opposed to saying, I'll figure this out on my own. Oh, I mean, and it's making it so much easier, right? Like we're talking about it. 
we're talking about just like get getting help. But there is so you're, to your point, what I wanted to say is that there are so many resources now online. You know, there's Talkspace, there's BetterHelp, there's got to be a million that I don't even know about that are out there for online counseling, online therapy. You can do it through just chat. There are crisis lines, and there are actually just like pages and pages and pages of pet loss support groups. So on the internet for um, pet parents, but also, you know, for us that are, are struggling and having a hard time, um, pet loss and grief is even becoming a certificate area where people are um, studying and learning how to really actually help with this grief process right in the industry. So there's so many resources, Dr. Ernie, you're so right, that you can find out there um, a wealth of, of connections. You are not alone in this struggle. And if you are feeling sad and if you do have a euthanasia that just like punches you in the gut, um, good. You feeling that's a great right. start. And, um, you know, it's OK to have those feelings and, and find a space where they can be worked out. Okay, so we've established that it can be painful. It's a real issue, uh, and it's something that we should be working on processes to help us cope and maybe using outside resources or training ourselves, being aware, all of that stuff. But I think there are also some just basic mechanics of the day-to-day grind during the holidays we need to be aware of. One of the things that we were very, very sensitive to was really not trying to pile on euthanasias or difficult client discussions or whatever, you know, on the same veterinary technicians and doctors, right? I mean, so you can also look at the schedule and say, wow, you know, Dr. Smith has has already done three euthanasias, you know, in the past couple of days, you know, let's let's give her a break or something like that. You know, making sure that the same veterinary technician just isn't going in after, you know, case after case after case that's just emotionally toiling on them. And I think Becky that is where the management, the owners have to be really sensitive to this stuff because, you know, if you, here's the thing, in my experience, Becky, and you can agree or disagree, and I'd love to hear your opinion, but here's the fact, you're the, sometimes the best staff are the ones who are willing to shoulder the most responsibility, and so they take on all of these emotional burdens, and then before you know it, they're burned out. It's Christmas Eve, and man, they don't want to celebrate with their family. They just want to go hide under a rock. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right. I don't right. know any technicians like that at all. Um, right. That's like we like pride ourselves on it. Right. Like we pride ourselves on being showing up. Right. Like no matter what we have going on or what we feel or what we need or what's on our list. Putting the needs of the people around us just is like number one thing that veterinary technicians, I think, love to do. We it is it's a, for a lot of us how we fill our cup while we're draining it out of the bottom and we don't even realize it, right? It's it's just us. So, um, I, but but to your point, but also kind of the flip side, I think that there are also people in the clinic. Our dear friends, Dr. Danny McVetty and Dr. Mary Gardner, um, who have created an entire foundation around this um, because they truly enjoy this. And I think that there are technicians out there as well who truly enjoy it. So I think identifying in your clinic who feels that this is actually an area they like to be involved and they feel um, it is actually beneficial and something that they they feel really good about, um, really kind of utilizing that for those technicians um, and understanding that there is a, a line of individuals in our, in our field that do enjoy it um, and leaning more toward them so that you don't end up dealing with, you know, having the ones who maybe don't shoulder it as well or are a little bit more um, emotionally empathetic to the situation to where they, they carry it as a burden, uh, don't have to be involved as much, I think is maybe an easy first step for a lot of clinics. Yeah, and right there, you just said something really important, and that is to lean into your strength and identify the people that, like you said, are just 
better with this that you know somehow it didn't, they didn't find enjoyment I, I, I don't you know again it's hard this is a sensitive subject for me personally but you know and then if you are out there and you're in a clinic and this really is difficult for you you need to speak up because Becky I will tell you you know you don't want to put a person in that situation repeatedly. I mean, we know that there's going to be some inevitable situations. I, I understand that. I'm an owner. But I really want to try to remove the, that off of your, your responsibility whenever possible. So you need to speak up, tell your manager, your owner, say, look, this is an area that I'm not good at. Now, maybe we can give you additional training or experience or whatever. But, you know, if I keep putting you in that situation, I'm just asking for burnout. Yeah, absolutely. In in it, you're right. It's leveraging strengths. It's leveraging um, what people enjoy, and that's actually going to help with you know longevity and, and their fulfillment in their professional career. But I think what's really hard um, from the owner standpoint and the management standpoint is that there's never a time that everyone in the clinic doesn't get affected by these loss. Like so, oh, you know, I think the fact of the matter is, is to some extent, all of these patients are ours. We we are have a little piece of our heart for each and every patient we see. And even in an emergency where you may only know a patient for minutes, um, you love them, you care for them, they, you, get, you give the, everything that you have to them. And so I think when we lose them, every single one does take a little piece of our heart. And we have to remember our customer service reps at the front who will inevitably always check in and check out these um, clients when they come in and, and for this time in their life, um, they make these appointments. They talk to the client on the phone when they call sobbing to make this appointment. They're going to be the ones generally to return the remains. Um, so we want to look out for our CSRs and remember that they don't have to be in the room to be terribly affected by this situation and make sure we're offering them the support that they need as well. I also want to remember, you know, it is very often the kennel staff and, and other support staff that do the aftercare. So um, these are the folks that, you know, take the most respect and care of these patients and are also going to be terribly affected by, you know, the, these losses, even though they maybe don't get the FaceTime and the attention. So from a management standpoint, we want to figure out how to support the entire clinic. One thing I have seen that I really, um, I think can be helpful is utilization of these communication channels. So Slack is a really good example. Um, companies that are using Slack for team communication can have a pet loss channel where if it's your day off and you don't want to know and you can't put your heart there, um, you, you don't have to. But we make sure that each and every pet gets recognized so that everyone does know. Um, there's so much technology we can use to make sure everyone in the clinic is doing okay, is on the same page, and, and is, t- is taken care of. Wow, Becky, I love the idea of a Slack channel because, you know, I, like you, you know, my businesses, we use Slack ex- exhaustively, oh, extensively, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it's a wonderful tool, especially for just quick communications and so forth. But uh, I love that idea. That's a fantastic viewfinders. What are you doing to disseminate that message? And we talked about that at the very beginning of the show. That's a really important thing because when people are off, they're on holiday, they come back and wow, it hits like a ton of bricks. So this can help somehow buffer that and allay that. I love that. It's a great suggestion. Yeah, it's just important to make sure we're communicating. And I guess that's all I really want to say at the bottom line is like pet loss is really hard. It's probably happening a lot right now. We have a platform to reach out to tons of you guys at a time to remind you to support each other, to remind you that you are supported through this time and that it is very significant um, to try to help management and owners find ways to support every member on their team and to make sure that everyone's doing okay while this is going on. And 
you know, frankly, uh, you know, just a side note over a, a little bit here. We center this around the holidays because we know that like euthanasia is happening. We know that, you know, loss is happening. But it's just a hard time of year for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. So um, I think it's just kind of taking a minute to say, you know, hey, everybody, can you take a second to be kind to the people around you? Can you be aware of the folks around you? Um, are we supporting each other? Are we showing each other kindness? Are we leaning into each other's strengths so that we can support each other through their weaknesses? Because if there is any time of year to be thinking about it and doing it, this is it. Yeah, it's, it's a real, that's a really good point as well. Uh, and, you know, the, I guess the final thing too, Becky, you know, I, I, I've, I would also say I, I do everything in my power as a veterinarian to get some of those terminal patients through the holidays. I think you all know what I'm talking about. Like you just say, look, you know, if we can just get through, because often that's a great time for people to say goodbye. They have family traveling in, they get to say goodbye, whatever. However, the other side of that issue is sometimes prolonging, you know, keeping it through the holidays just, you know, can, can extend, you know, this whole guilt and agony and, and watching them potentially suffer. So you really have to be be very mindful of that. You know, I, I know that in medicine, there's the, always this, you know, sort of credo of trying to get them through these holidays and through these hard times. But, you know, I've also, I, I can tell you innumerable cases where, you know, it's, it's like the week before Christmas and you kind of say, well, we could probably get them through the new year if we really worked hard. But man, this dog is, is not in good shape and they're going to wit- witness that. So I have had to say, look, you know, this could be the good time. And, you know, again, Becky, I know every veterinarian, every veterinary technician has a different way of sort of, you know, broaching that subject and bringing it up. But I do think we have to be mindful of the entire home environment, realize that, you know, if it's one of those terminal patients, getting it through the holidays may be the absolute right thing to do. But then again, it may not. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, we we need to just kind of remember that we're supporting uh, people who are have so much going on and, and we have to come at it from the most kind standpoint as we can. I think there are the flip side of that where um, clients will sometimes come in and be requesting euthanasia when we feel like maybe the pet right. would have a little exactly. bit more time, right. but they're going to travel for the holidays and they're afraid that the pet will die in a boarding right. facility or they'll die while they're gone. And so they, they are almost kind of asking for this scenario so that everybody, nobody gets shocked. Um, there's, this is, this happens, I think a lot. Yeah, Becky, it's, that's really reminds me. And I'm, I'm sure viewfinders, you all can re- repeat countless cases like this. I know Becky can, but you know, I, I can't tell you how many cancer patients in particular are, are chronic kidney. I mean, you know, the stories and, um, that will, you know, it'll be the week before Christmas and they're like, listen, I think it's time. No, it's not. It looks fine. It's doing great. You know, the numbers are, are improving, whatever. And uh, they don't want their family to see this beloved pet yeah. the way it is. You know, it's lost right. a lot of weight. You know, its muscle mass is, is, is deficient and it's unable to ambulate like it. I mean, you, you know, whatever it may be. And they don't want to, to, to be seen that way. So, you know, you got to respect it. I don't have the right answer for that. Obviously, that's an individual cases. But you're right, Becky. All of those things sort of add up to this being the season sometimes that we have to deal with euthanasia. Yeah, it's just going to be happening. And, and you know, of course, around that, there's always money concern. People are spending money, and then, of course, they've spent all their money, and then emergencies happen, and people are in the home. And it, it's just stressful, right? Like, everyone is at their wits' end. And again, because we, we are wanting to support that staff member and think about our staff members, you know, you have to remember – 
your staff have life going on too. They've got kids they're trying to buy presents for, family they're trying to make space in the house for, they're buying extra groceries. So much is going on in everyone's life right now. And so, um, you know, again, being patient and kind and a little extra sensitive when these times are coming up with everyone, it's it's just an important thing to do and to kind of, you know, n- not judge where people are coming from because there's there's a lot of different beliefs when it comes to these situations. And we're here to support the the time um, that they're going through no matter what with everyone around us. And I, I guess the other thing to remember um, when we're supporting our colleagues and thinking about our colleagues is the folks that do our aftercare service. If you get a chance, um, share your Christmas cookies with them, give them a thank you. I always think they're the unsung heroes really of the veterinary industry. They, they, um, make this experience, um, or break this experience really for our clients and what they do, uh, represents us when we are giving the remains or, or passing remains back to clients. And so I always think it's rem- important to remember those folks, they have a really hard job and they do a really amazing thing. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to, to end this particular discussion. And that is just being grateful and thanking people and, and, take the time during this holiday season to thank as many people as possible in your life. Like Becky said, when the pet crematory service comes in, thank them. They often don't get thanked enough. When the people that do your floors, thank them. Thank everybody around you. Just take that time, a little bit of peer pressure from us here, but we want you to to just sit back and reflect. Well, Becky, I know this has been kind of a serious conversation, but what I'm really grateful for is we've had three years of, I think, really important conversations like this. Too often, you know, Becky, as you always say, people do feel isolated and they don't have the opportunity to have these conversations. So we feel that some way we're that that little conversation partner for you. So we, we try to talk about the things that we think are really important and impactful in our profession. And again, we're grateful that you listen. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, you know, I one thing I, I know that can be kind of therapeutic in these times are the things that um, support staff do for pets. So if you get an opportunity, share on our social media what your clinic does. Um, I've seen really cool things um, for mostly footprints, nose prints, um, memorial cert cards. I, there's so many really neat things that we do that I think help us to feel a little bit healing and to help this um, become more of a memorial and um, happy memory. And so we would love to see on our social media what you guys do out there. You can find us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram and Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. And... Don't forget, leave us an iTunes review. That really means a lot to us. That's all we ask for for this holiday season. If you're grateful for these conversations, just head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and that helps us reach more veterinary colleagues. On behalf of everybody here at the Veterinary Viewfinder, we want to continually wish you guys a happy holiday and a prosperous New Year's. And I'm from a busy airport where people are definitely giving me strange looks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, I'm going to turn this off before I get kicked out. <laughs>